Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily Miami Marlins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and today's going to be a little bit of a different episode because generally over the last week or so, it's been a lot of positives, a lot of things to be excited about. And today, I want to dive into the struggles of Corey Dickerson because this has been something that I think has taken almost all of us by surprise. Dickerson, over the last five to six years, has been one of the more consistent hitters in all of baseball. You can almost pencil him in for 280, 25 home runs, and 80 RBI every single season except for this one. He's hitting 223 so far this year. He has four home runs, nine driven in, a 292 on base percentage, and across the board, just the worst statistics of his career. Early, I was just figuring it was a slow start. And yeah, it's still only 103 at-bats, but now we're getting to the larger scale of a sample size where you can really say he is struggling. Beyond just the surface-level numbers, a lot of the peripherals help explain the difference between Dickerson right now and in the past. And a lot of it, I think, is in his control, meaning it's in his approach. And I don't know why he's doing some of the things that he's doing. So I'm going to get into some of the advanced metrics that stood out to me, and that could be good indicators as to why Dickerson is having the worst year of his career so far. Yes, 103 at-bats is still a relatively small sample size, but it's still enough now to really step back and say he's not himself so far this year. It's still a decent amount of at-bats. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So diving into Dickerson here, the K-rate's down. So when you look at the surface-level stats, as I said earlier, walks are up, strikeouts are down. Why is he struggling? Well, that actually is kind of what prompted me to look into the deeper stats. How is somebody that is striking out less and walking more struggling to really put up any decent numbers? Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to strike out less and walk more? Yes. But sometimes those numbers can fluctuate for the wrong reasons. He seems like he is so focused on not striking out that he's compromising a lot of his production at the plate. And the Marlins signed Dickerson to produce, and I mean to drive in runs, to hit for some power. And the thing that I've always talked about with Dickerson and that he's mentioned and that Mattingly mentioned before the season started is Dickerson's a guy that likes to adjust a lot at the plate. He's very unconventional with the way that he approaches hitting. That can be good, and I think in this instance it's bad. You see how much he chokes up with two strikes. I love to see a hitter choke up with two strikes, but he chokes up like half a foot, and he's just looking to get any piece of the ball, which again, in certain situations I like, but in other situations, it just seems like even when he's down to one strike, he starts choking up several inches and he's really compromising any power. As a result, his exit velos are at the lowest they've been in his entire career. And the thing is, I believe that the league is starting to catch notice to this altered Corey Dickerson approach because he's seeing more fastballs in the strike zone than he has ever seen in his entire career. Over 58% of fastballs thrown to him are in the strike zone. That's up 10% from last year. And as I said earlier, higher than it's been in his entire career. He's also seeing a small jump in breaking balls in the strike zone as well. Off-speed pitches, meaning change-ups. He's seeing less in the strike zone because that's the one pitch in the scouting report that teams know that he will chase. And that has been 
the pitch that he has swung and missed on more than anything. He hasn't struck out much, but that's the one pitch that teams know he will chase with two strikes. So if you pound the strike zone, he's been fouling off more pitches than ever. His swinging strike percentage is the same as last year, despite the fact that he's not swinging as much too. So let me break this all down again, because I know I just threw a lot of stats at you. He is seeing more fastballs in the zone than he ever has. That, you would think, would come with more swings, because what does a hitter want more than a fastball in the strike zone, right? But his swing percentage is actually down 5%. So 10% more fastballs in the strike zone, swing percentage down 5%. So that means he's just being overly passive. Why is he being overly passive? Is he trying too hard to walk, to go deep into counts? He's not chasing, which is great, right? His chase percentage is down 12%. But if you're not swinging at pitches in the strike zone either, what good is that? You're just almost standing there hoping for a walk. And that's what it seems like he's doing. He's always fouling off a bunch of pitches and trying to just battle up there because his swinging strike percentage is still the same. So imagine swinging 5% less and still having the same swinging strike percentage. That means you're not squaring the ball up and you're just trying too hard to get a piece of it, which again is good in certain instances with two strikes. But Corey Dickerson's here to produce and I'm cool with him taking a big swing every once in a while with two strikes, but he doesn't even take a big swing with no strikes, and then forget it with one strike. He already shortens up a ton. Two strikes, he might as well be holding it at the barrel. Joey Votto's been doing the same thing, and his power numbers have been decimated. I don't know what Joey Votto's doing either. Votto has always had that type of approach, but he's taken it to this ridiculous extreme this year, and if you look at Votto's numbers, they're really, really pedestrian. And even when you look at the specific swing percentage at fastballs, His swing percentage is down overall 5%, but at fastballs, it's down 6%. And he's seeing no pitch more frequently in the strike zone than fastballs up 10% from last year. So he seems like he just almost doesn't want to hit up there when you look at the numbers, right? All of the numbers in terms of the pitches that he's getting would point towards more swings and it's doing the opposite. So whether teams... That's a result of teams knowing that Corey's being passive and attacking him. I'm sure that's part of it, but also it's working. So they're going to continue to keep doing that. And even though he's seeing less change-ups, he's actually swinging and missing more at them than he ever has before. He's batting 095 against change-ups this year. That's just two for 21. He's been good against breaking balls, which is the strange thing. He's hitting 293 against breaking balls with two home runs, but then on fastballs, 220 with two home runs. And that just can't happen. That can't happen for Corey Dickerson, especially when his role with this team is to be a run producer. He needs to be a run producer. Yeah, Starling Marte alleviates that a little bit, but Starling Marte doesn't even quite get the power production that Dickerson has in his career. So the Marlins definitely need Dickerson to be more aggressive at the plate because it's really shocking to see When you look at the numbers at this point, now it's a large enough sample size to say he has been more passive this season than he has been in his entire career. And that's just a bizarre thing. I thought, if anything, with the Marlins this year and being that he is probably one of the most established and productive bats in the lineup in terms of consistency as well, you would see more aggressiveness from him and maybe a little bit less batting average and more power. It's been the opposite. 
And even when it comes to first pitch swinging, he has two of his home runs swinging on the first pitch, yet he's swinging at the first pitch less than ever this year, just 36% of the time. That's the least in his entire career. He was swinging at it 40% of the time last year, 41% the year before that, and 42% the year before that. So all around, just all around, he is swinging less. And the crazy thing too is even though he's shortened up and done all of this, the whiff percentage is still up from last year. And that's because of the change-ups. So what, what is Corey Dickerson accomplishing with this approach? Really nothing other than not giving himself a chance. In three ball counts, he's already looking for the walk. Three ball counts, he's two for 10 with 10 walks. So that means he's had 23 ball counts and only had two hits. I know you're going to walk a lot, obviously, when you have a three ball count, but two for 10. And then the other 10 walks, you got to figure some of them, he probably picked up a strike, then could have swung, fouled off a couple and worked to walk. I remember off the top of my head, several instances that year where that's happened. So again, another example of his inability or lack of desire to be aggressive. The good thing about this though, is that it's nothing mechanical, right? It's nothing that's alarming with his swing or his pitch selection in terms of chasing out of the zone or not picking up the ball well. He's just being passive. So just be more aggressive. So how can he do that? What should the Marlins do? Where should he bat in the lineup to help him do that? I will get to that in a moment. But first, a little bit about Indeed.com and why it's the number one job site in the world that gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts, so you're not on the hook like the Marlins were with Wei Yin Chen. You can freeze it at any moment and then resume whenever you want. Plus, Indeed offers powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, it's the best option to get your important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners $75 in free credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with $75 in free credit by going to Indeed.com slash Locked on MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's indeed.com slash locked on MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. You know, I always have to shout out my friends at Postmates also, which hook me up with my meals more often than I'm proud of. I really don't end up leaving very often or really cook much myself. So I just go on my phone. I have the Postmates app. Pick one of my favorite restaurants. They deliver it straight to my door. Contact-free delivery. Sometimes I need some candy from 7-Eleven. I need some groceries from CVS. They'll drop that off too. Even better, I already used it, but Postmates is offering $100 in free delivery credit for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app and use the promo code Locked On. That's $100 in free delivery credit for the first seven days when you download Postmates and use the promo code Locked On. Anything you need, Anytime you need it, post made it. So quickly going to wrap up on Dickerson here and then talk about the Marlins' upcoming series against the Rays, which is going to be a tough one, and how they should approach it lineup-wise and how they can try and scrape for some runs and beat the Rays that really knocked them around just a few days ago. And they're seeing a lot of the same arms, starting with Fleming, then Snell, then Glass now. And then they're going to have three more 
against the Braves. It's going to be a tough stretch. Even though the Marlins are going to be facing multiple left-handed pitchers and Dickerson has been struggling against left-handed pitchers, in his career he's been pretty solid against southpaws. And I'm going to stick with him against the lefties. Where I would consider moving him is to the cleanup spot because that's where he's been best this year. Still smaller sample sizes, but in the three-hole and in the two-hole, that's where he's been more passive. In the three-hole, hitting just a buck 96. In the two-hole, smaller sample size, he's just one for nine. He's got 50 plate appearances, though, in the three spot where he has struggled. In the four spot, that's where he's hit the second most this year. 343 batting average, 378 on base, 543 slugging. I know these are small sample sizes and it could be coincidental in some aspects, but with the way that Dickerson has struggled, it might just be the cleanup hitter mentality that forces him to be more aggressive. It might be something that simple. Maybe it's not, but I want to see it tried out because there's a vast difference in the third spot versus the fourth spot when it comes to production. He's driven in six of his nine runs in the cleanup spot. He has hit two of his four home runs in the cleanup spot. And his at-bats, not even half of his at-bats are in the four spot. So even though there might be a little bit of a coincidence in terms of the statistical difference, there's also no denying that he's more aggressive in the four spot. So let's see if the Marlins decide to do that to try and jumpstart Dickerson and get him going a little bit because they do need him, especially down this stretch here. The Marlins offense has struggled. It wakes up at times. Starling Marte helps, but at the end of the day, you're going to need Corey Dickerson big time to make a push down the stretch here. Speaking of making a push, how can the Marlins handle the Rays as they did not do a great job of that last series? And they're facing two lefties and then Glass now, who is really coming on strong. Fleming has only made two major league starts. One of them was against the Marlins where he was really solid. And I will say this, Fleming is the type of pitcher that doesn't have a lot of margin for error. He's a soft thrower, likes to mix it up, will throw backwards, do a bunch of different things to keep hitters off balance. But he's also the type of hitter that guys like Lewis Brinson will, will actually hit well. Brinson's been great against lefties. He's been even better against soft throwing lefties. He's got to be in the lineup against Fleming. And I think the Marlins should just go as heavy with right-handed hitters as they can. I don't even know, besides Dickerson, I might just throw Chad Wallach in the mix at that point and see what happens. Because right now, Jorge Alfaro has been struggling mightily. Wallach has been better against left-handed pitchers in his entire career. He generally struggles pretty badly against hard-throwing right-handers. But I think he, with how much Alfaro is struggling... Wallach will be able to put up some better at-bats against Fleming in the first game of the series. I would consider starting Fleming, though, or starting Wallach against Fleming, excuse me, but I doubt the Marlins do that as they're probably going to just keep putting Alfaro out there as often as they can. I would be frustrated, though, if the Marlins went with Alfaro in the two starts against left-handed pitchers and then went to Wallach against Glass now because Wallach is at his worst against hard-throwing right-handers and at his best against left-handers, especially softer-throwing left-handers. Alfaro right now seems like he would struggle no matter which arm the pitcher throws with. So that's worth thinking about as well. And as I said in the past, Brinson may be salvageable as a platoon guy in the outfield that hits lefties well and plays gold glove caliber defense. If that's the case, the Marlins at least salvaged some value out of Brinson and he can actually contribute here because we know how good he is defensively. He always comes in late in ball games because of what he's able to do. And he's been really good against left-handed pitching this year. 
I hope that that's something that can continue to happen. It seems like he's much more comfortable with the left-handed pitching because he stays back on it better. He doesn't try to bail out as much because you can see the ball get in on his hands quite often against right-handers and he ends up cheating. He has a lot more confidence in his hands and his ability to wait back on breaking balls against left-handers and knowing that he won't get beat with the fastball, which seems to be his fear always. John Birdie, he's got to be in the lineup against a lefty too. He needs to wreak havoc on the base paths. That's why I want to see the Marlins really play small ball against the Rays and try to load up with speed at the top of the lineup and do everything they can to try to really put up runs on the board because the way the Marlins have been pitching, they should be able to keep the Rays offense relatively in check. The The Rays offense has not been lighting the world on fire. And overall, besides that Sunday game, the Rays only scored two runs in game one and four runs in game two. The only problem was the Marlins scored zero in both. So I don't think that the Rays are going to be a huge threat to the Marlins offensively. It's just, can the Marlins score? Because the Rays bullpen, even though it's so beat up, is phenomenal. And the Marlins are going to have Pablo Lopez going against Fleming. That's the game they need to win. Because I think if you can get one of the three, that would be great. You just can't get swept. When you're getting Snell and then Glass now, I think you got to be happy with at least salvaging one of the three games. Of course, you really want to get two. Alcantara goes in game two. We saw what the Rays did to him in his first start, but he was also making his first start back from missing a very extended period of time. I think he'll be fine, and maybe he will adjust now in his second outing, but Lopez is going to give the Marlins the best shot to win. Fleming is the most beatable pitcher that the Marlins face in this series, so a lot of pressure on game one, because if they lose that one, you're really at a risk to get swept there. Then Trevor Rogers in game three which will be interesting to see him face somebody not named the Mets and see how the Rays handle somebody that they haven't seen before in Trevor Rogers. See if Rogers can continue to improve upon his last two starts. I think he made a stride in the right direction after his first start, which was already a pretty good start. Second start was much more consistent, pounded the strike zone more, was more efficient, still got some swings and misses. There's plenty of left-handed bats in the Rays lineup. We'll see if they decide to go right-handed heavy against Rogers, but he's pretty good against both. So I think Rodgers could give the Marlins a chance there, but Glass now has been lights out. So we'll see what happens in this series. But I will say, as I said earlier, a lot of pressure on Friday. The Marlins really do need to win that one, and we'll see if they can do that moving forward. Maybe Harold Ramirez comes back. That would be great for the Marlins at this point too, especially against the left-handed pitching, to throw in another right-hander into the lineup and just stack as many as you can with how much the Marlins have struggled against Southpaws. Hope you're hanging in there with no Marlins game today. It's weird with how action-packed this schedule has been to have a day off, but the Marlins definitely needed it. So I'm very glad that they're getting this day off to recoup and get ready for what's going to be a tough series and a tough stretch ahead. A much-needed day off comes at a perfect time, and we'll be back tomorrow to see what the Marlins can do against maybe one of the best teams in all of baseball. Thank you for listening as always. Glad I could be your Marlins fix in this off day, and I will talk to you tomorrow.